and welcome to episode 200 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to give up on that New Year's resolution that you swear you're going to stick to this year. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. It's our 200th episode! And what better way to celebrate than by answering questions from you, our listeners. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Ambie, you and I have talked many times in the past, and I think we've even mentioned it on the show before, that when we're saving our audio files after we get done recording, like we've kind of done this thing throughout the years where we like say the number of the episode and we're always like, oh my gosh, that's so many. (laughs) Like we've done that a lot over the years, but like legit 200 episodes? What? Yeah, that's quite a few. (laughs) Honestly, it doesn't feel like we've recorded 200 episodes, even though we've been doing this now for almost eight years, eight eight years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, eight. I couldn't I can't even do math. That it doesn't that's blowing my mind, truly. I'm very proud of what we've created and I'm very, very grateful for my friendship with you because I think it has added to my board gaming life in yeah, some definitely. really, really neat ways. Yeah, this has like changed my board gaming life a lot. I can't really imagine my board gaming life without you and the podcast. And Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't <laughs> either. It doesn't, like, how do normal people play board games? <laughs> so to celebrate 200 episodes, we asked you, our listeners, to submit some questions to us. Everybody loves a good Q&A episode, and we haven't done one in a while, so we figured we were due, and what better time to do it than episode 200? Yeah. So we got some questions that we have totally prepared ahead of time on an ordering of which ones to do. Yeah, I'm sure they believe that. (laughs) (laughs) As is our usual preparation. I mean, well, with with these types of things, like, I don't want to write out my answers because I feel like it's a little more genuine to just kind of think about it on the fly. But I I, I scanned through the questions. We got some good ones. Yeah. I think first we could talk about, so Flip the Table, Chris asked, with a couple hundred shows under your belt, what advice would you give to a podcaster or streamer or YouTuber, (laughs) take your pick, who is first starting out? So Flip the Table, Chris, he's from Flip the Table Podcast, who actually gave us advice when we started out, right? Or gave you yeah, advice. Yeah, literally. We, I messaged Chris <laughs> before we started the podcast because I loved his podcast. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, the production value was good. It was funny. He was obviously very talented at what he was doing. And so mm-hmm. I reached out to him and he gave us a bunch of really good advice. And it genuinely helped. Like, I think I, I've said this so many times over the years but I still think we got a better start than a lot of podcasts do. We've still continued to improve over the years, and I'm, I'm <laughs> obviously proud of that, but we didn't have the roughest of starts. It was just more yeah. socially awkward than anything else yeah. because you and Cassidy and I, we didn't know each other super well yet. Yeah, we hadn't met in person. I met you in person, but like not Cassidy, and we all lived in different areas. <laughs> We're just like and, talking online. <laughs> and you and I met like over one awkward yeah. brunch here in Vegas it wasn't like we got to know each other super well like your friends were there it was more like hi human that I'm planning on making a podcast with how are you eat some waffles and then leave (laughs) 
So it's not like we yeah. had this like mind blowing first meeting. It was it was brunch basically. Yeah. So um, do you have any advice to give to someone starting out? I mean, I know we've answered this question yeah, over the years in a, a handful of different ways. And truly, the content creator landscape continues to change and evolve all the time. So advice that anybody gives today may not be applicable tomorrow or next mm-hmm. year or whatever else. And especially when it comes to like video content, and more so than audio, I would say everything mm-hmm. changes so often. Like right now in 2024, short form <laughs> videos are kind of king, right? Like TikTok, mm-hmm. YouTube shorts, there's other platforms that are trying to lean into this content as well even twitch is starting to like prioritize short form con (laughs) like vertical content which is very strange so (laughs) i think honestly though it all kind of goes back to the same thing that we've tended to always say rather than trying to fit yourself into a box of what is popular or what is performing well, you know, what is trending, pick something that you love and Mm -hmm. do that. And if that's recording an audio podcast, great. If it's making short form videos, great. If it's making really long playthrough videos that are probably never going to go viral, do that. Because Mm -hmm. in the long run, if you're not doing something that you already enjoy doing, then it's not sustainable, basically. All the content creators that I've ever known that tried to do things that they didn't already love tend to burn out faster, generally. Yeah, echoing that, you want to pick something that you love doing, preferably something that you know something about or like want to know something about. But yeah, you want to go pick something that you already like and already doing and then just go more into that because otherwise... If you're just like trying to chase something that you don't really care about just to get the views, then that's not fun and you'll burn out a lot quicker. Also, you'll never, you'll never be satisfied. There is no number of like, there's no number of views that will ever, like you're not Mr. Beast. It's, I'm sorry to tell you, (laughs) but you're not. And no one is. Jimmy Donaldson is the only Mr. Beast. It took him a long time, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. He was just experimenting with different things and then like. He was a literal child. Like a literal (laughs) child. Posting videos. Videos on YouTube that were complete garbage and just he is a very smart person you can tell that like he did some very specific things but again mm-hmm. his passion was getting popular on YouTube that was his mm-hmm. passion it wasn't that he just wanted to go viral with content he was making he wanted like that it's hard to describe but I feel like he really genuinely loves kind of besting the algorithm like he mm-hmm. that is as like a science to him you know figuring out what thumbnails mm-hmm. work best and what types of videos perform better than others and things like that. It feels like that is his passion to some degree. (laughs) He's doing pretty well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'd say pretty, pretty well. I actually, like, it's funny. I'm almost 40 years old and I watch Mr. Beast videos. Not every single one, but I I like his content. (laughs) I watch them now. I think I started watching him last year or something. I didn't didn't know about him and then I started watching him like, (laughs) yeah, enjoyable. (laughs) But yes, for other people who aren't Mr. Beast, yeah, just do what you like. And also when you're starting, like you don't have to have all of the high tech equipment. You don't want to have that because you don't know if you're going to like it. If you want to start a podcast or something, you might find out after a couple episodes 
episodes that you don't like recording a podcast or you don't like making videos of yourself or something like that. Like you don't like the editing. If you decide that and you bought all of this fancy equipment for it, then you never use it. It's like a waste. So before you go into that, like phones are really good cameras now and like at everything, like, like they, can, they can do so much stuff with a, just a phone. Yeah. Don't let anybody throw shade or hate your way for recording a video on a phone. Like yeah. phones are great cameras now and yeah. their audio is not always quite as good, at least for video content, but yeah. it's also not the worst. So yeah, like, it's also, just it's do pretty it. good. It's <laughs> so, and it's just getting better, right? Like yeah. every year and you, you already are going to likely buy a smartphone. So buy a smartphone that has good capabilities and woohoo, you're there. You don't have to buy extra equipment. Yeah. So just use what you have or try to use what you have and get maybe like a cheap tripod or something, but do that for a while. See if you like it. And then if you like it and want to invest more into it, then you can start upgrading and you see what you need to upgrade first. Cause like you might not need to upgrade certain things. You might realize what you need to upgrade after you've started. And there's also free software for almost everything you oh, would yeah. need to do. Audio editing, video editing. Yeah, I think all of my software that I use is free. <laughs> and obviously there are some advantages to use, using paid versions of certain things, but nowadays there's enough free software and we're talking about legally acquired free software yeah. for the record like open uh, source stuff there's a lot of open source software and free versions of software yep basically if you are a person who enjoys creating things if that is yeah. something that feeds your soul like it does ambi and i to mm -hmm. some degree make a thing just do it oh just yeah make just do thing. it that's that's the other advice too <laughs> like and also tell us about it and like let <laughs> us know in our discord we have a self-promotion channel where mm -hmm. people will post things that they have done like we have some other podcasters who post content mm -hmm. there or twitch streamers and we love supporting our friends that are making content like do we get to listen and watch all of it no it's, it would be too much but let us know if you make a thing and we will uh we'll we'll give you a high five and we'll we'll you know check it out mm -hmm. i'm gonna move us to a non-board game related question that this All one right. absolutely fascinated me and mm -hmm. I don't know Ambi if you'll have an answer for this one but Eric asked what are your best okay wait hold on how do I self-censor <laughs> this no shirt there I was when dot 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 like in a travel story so basically if we were traveling somewhere and something happened that was unexpected and monumental in some fashion I have one story I have one decent story for this do you have any any that you can think of Ambi? Uh, I couldn't think of any but I also haven't traveled much in my adult life other than board game conventions so yeah I, I couldn't think of anything that's fair so I when I was 20 traveled to a few different countries in Europe with my college's chamber choir and we were performing in different cities and when we were in Prague in the Czech Republic there was I don't remember which, because there's a number of international hockey games that happen throughout the course of a year. I'm not a huge hockey person. I like hockey, but like, I don't know about all the international tournaments that happen. All I know is that while we were there, the Czech Republic was playing against Canada in a hockey game that was of some importance. And this would have <laughs> been in May 2005-ish, like around then. So somebody could probably look it up and tell me what it was, honestly. I I could probably find out, figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And the Czech Republic won the game. 
And it was the first time in my entire life that I realized that because the United States is so big, we don't ever, as a country, celebrate much, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's really no way to gather and celebrate. Like, a lot of us celebrate Fourth of July, but it's all individual stuff everywhere. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. collective. We were in the middle of Prague and the entire city was out the next day waving flags and cheering and celebrating. And like they were genuinely just like partying the whole city in a way that I'd never experienced before in my entire life. And I was just dumbstruck. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it felt so wholesome, right? Like this Uh entire, it felt like the whole country was coming together. I mean, the Czech Republic is relatively small especially compared to the U.S. But yeah, it was, like I said, I'm not sure what hockey match it was. I don't know if it was like the biggest one or just the smaller (laughs) one, but they were excited that they won and it felt really cool to be there in that moment. That's really neat. Yeah, I don't have anything like that. But another one that Eric asks is, have either of you ever had a dream so realistic you assumed for a while that it had really happened? And so I immediately had like two dreams come to mind for me. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Yeah. One was when I was a kid. And okay, so it's not necessarily a realistic dream, but it just had very strong emotions. So I remember the dream. So like all my family was there. I was like at the top of a hill near my elementary school like playground. And my brother was at the bottom playing handball. And then my dad was like off to the side or something. And then my mom was with me, but then the devil appeared. (laughs) um, (laughs) So yeah, not not realistic, but like it felt real when I was dreaming it. Uh, Devil appeared and made my mom roll down the hill, and she her her head fell off, Um, and 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 she died. And so I was very sad. And then my brother picked it up and started using it as a handball. And my dad was filming it. And so and I was like, why aren't you guys sad? And so I woke up and I was crying and I was very sad. And like, it felt real to me when I was dreaming it. (laughs) I realized it wasn't real, but like, I was still very sad, like for a while. So it's kind of like high emotions. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, like I can totally see why when you woke up, you were kind of shook because that's that's intense. And I guess I was like a kid at the time. So maybe it was more realistic too. Like that might have been more plausible as a kid. Those things to happen. But now looking back on it, it's like uh, not very plausible. But yeah. And then another one, I don't actually remember the dream, but for some reason in my dream in college, I had a dream where I was angry at one of my friends and I don't know what happened in the dream. My friend did something, so I was mad at her. And then the next day, I didn't remember the dream, but when I saw her, I got angry at her because I'm like, oh, she did something or like, <laughs> so I just like felt that. And then I'm like, why am I angry at her? Like, what what did she do? And I'm like, wait, there was a dream. Like, it was a dream. So like, I was very confused. This is a literal scene from Friends where Phoebe oh, is really? mad at Ross for like an entire episode <laughs> and doesn't know why. And they figure out it's because she had a dream about it. <laughs> yeah, so it happens. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, the way my brain has tended to work for most of my life is... If I remember my dreams, they are Mm. usually very, very fleeting, like Mm. to the point where they disappear almost immediately upon waking. Mm -hmm. But there are occasions where I'll wake up and just in that moment, I will remember what happened in pretty decent detail. And the only way I can remember those types of
of dreams are if I write them down. And I don't always do that, but I, over the years, have started in my phone, in the notes app, I will occasionally write, like, type out in the middle of the night whatever <laughs> just happened and then go back to sleep. I inevitably, when I reread these, have no recollection of them whatsoever. Literally none. If you read this to me and you were like, you dreamed that, what did I? I don't know. But they're in my phone, so I'm going to read you one of the dreams that I have written down in my phone. This one's from a couple of years ago. And what's funny about this is Eric Summerer is in it. And so it's, very, it's board game related a little bit. Okay, so here we go. And I'm just going to read you word for word basically what I typed. Okay. I was living in a large house of some kind. Eric showed up to do a solo board game live stream. I took a nap. My friend Michael from high school showed up, but dropped something off and left before I could talk to him. Eric took off his shirt to fix his microphone because apparently him having his shirt off was some kind of inside joke that I knew about. After the stream, Eric said he wanted to go for a walk and to get breakfast. So I got dressed and we headed out to the brand new SUV Eric had just purchased. My sister and her husband's brother and his boyfriend were there and wanted to come too. And also one of the most annoying people from my real day job somehow also hopped in to tag along. Then we got a few blocks away from the house and I realized maybe had snuck into the car and was cuddling with Eric as he drove. Then, while we were trying to make a U-turn to take her back, the car was surrounded by a circle of women in white dresses who kindly pulled us out and had us participate in some spiritual ceremony stuff to help us figure out our futures. We were writing our names and dates of birth on separate pieces of masking tape for some activity, and then my alarm went off. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I mean, y'all already know that I'm a little banana pants as a person, but that, if that doesn't feel it, I don't know what does. <laughs> and it's funny because this was a couple years ago, I think when like Eric and I were probably doing a lot of stream stuff mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And so I imagine that's probably why he was more on my mind than mm -hmm. typical. Cause I don't think I've ever had any other dreams with Eric in them. But so Eric, if you're listening, I apparently had a dream about you two years ago that I completely forgot about until tonight when I scrolled through my phone and found this. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes have board game people or YouTubers in my dreams, like probably after I've watched some of their videos more or something, <laughs> because I watch YouTube at night sometimes and then, <laughs> and then they show up in my dreams. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like playing board games. How funny. All right. So let's hop over to a question from Robert. This is a very Flip the Table-esque question, even though it didn't come from Flip the Table Chris. It says, it's the 90s. Cheesy, weird, and obscure reign supreme. You are tasked with making a game based on your favorite license. What is it? And what kind of game will it be? I mean, for me, if we're talking about the thing I loved the most in the 90s, as far as like licensing goes, I think it has to be full house. <laughs> I was obsessed with Full House when I was a kid. I'm trying to think of what I liked in the 90s. I mean, you you loved Disney stuff, right? Not in the 90s. I mean, like, not as much as I do now. I started liking oh, okay. a lot more in high school. Oh, interesting. I mean, I liked it like a normal kid did in the 90s. Like, I liked Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast when I was a kid. I'm trying to think of what a Full House game would entail. And for the record, <laughs> I haven't looked it up, but I'm certain there's probably a crummy Full House board game <laughs> yeah. from the 90s. But mine would probably be those horse toys. Shoot, what were they called? Grand Grand Champions? I think, yeah, Grand Champion Horses. I liked those. 
I was definitely a horse girly too. I had horses for sure. Like fake toy ones, not real ones. Yeah, but... yeah, toy ones. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be a game based based on those. But that's like a brand of toys. <laughs> horses. So I think... what would a game be? Would it have like those toys as miniatures or like <laughs> Okay, it definitely would not be a racing game because as yeah, all no, horse like... girlies know. No, no, no. The thing you're like brushing their <laughs> you're, mane. Yeah, grooming them. It's and, a, like, it's a horse them. grooming game. Oh my god. Yeah, horse grooming. I actually had a video game where with a horse where you like, you know, you, you groom it and you feed it and you have a pet horse. <laughs> so it'd be <laughs> kind of like that, but a board game. Oh my gosh. I think for mine, A, it has to be a co-op because there can be no no like actual conflict in a full house board game. The conflict <laughs> has to come from outside. It has to be external. So yeah, there's got to be some kind of a like family problem that everyone mm. somehow has to work together to solve. And oh no, I think you always win. I think there cannot be a loss <laughs> condition in the full house board game. Like, and there has to be an electronic component where uh-huh. it plays like heartwarming music, you know, like the like, like swelling heartwarming music at the end of an episode when somebody's having that big emotional moment mm-hmm. that has to play at some point and everything always has to work out fine. So basically <laughs> maybe you just keep playing until you solve the problem. Oh, oh my board game would also have electron. It would just be okay. Mine would be like a big toy horse that's electron, like it has electronics. So when you brush it, it like does (laughs) some like electronic (gasps) thing. And then like, I guess you would draw a card or roll a die or something for wet grooming activity you would do. (laughs) You get to like brush the hair or feed it or whatever. And then it does little things. It would be kind of like a children's game, I guess. I want that (laughs) horse. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're great game designers. Oh, yeah. It's funny, we've talked about this over the years too, but I, mm. I continue to add new board game design ideas to my phone as well as notes. Mm. I've come up with a, a handful recently that seem kind of viable, but again, I'm like, ugh, game design. <laughs> like, it's not as easy as yeah. anyone thinks it is. Mm. All right, another question. Gameritis guy in our Discord asked, what games have you played that has surprised you? How many times you've played it for more or less times? For example, a game you thought you played much more of, find out you only played it twice, or vice versa. This is this is Willie and Willie and his daughter Alexa mm-hmm. make the Board Games and Blank podcast, which is mm-hmm. adorable. And it's even shorter than ours. So if you like short length <laughs> yeah. podcasts, go check out Board Games and Blank. I love their episodes. Mm-hmm. It's, they're always great. So, okay. I think it used to surprise me. And I used to actually be a little bit ashamed of this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that whole like weird gamer mentality where you feel like you there's some kind of expectation you have to meet. But but truly, my favorite board game, you all know, is Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. I have not played Battlestar Galactica that many times, especially in comparison to some other board games that I've played. Like, mm-hmm. I have played some board games more than 100 times. Battlestar Galactica, over the years, I don't actually know how many times I've played it because I haven't always been tracking. But I would guess, off the top of my head, I've played it less than 20 times. And mm-hmm. it's my favorite board game. So you'd think, oh, if it's your favorite game and you must have played it a lot but that's not always the case Battlestar Galactica is a hard game to get on the table yeah I tend to play it nowadays on average like maybe once a year I used to be able to play it a little bit more frequently when I was going to more conventions and pre-pandemic and stuff like that but man yeah maybe like 15 I don't know I don't think it's that many honestly (laughs) and I think that's fine it's still my favorite because I love it so maybe I can just use that as another example of like y'all don't let other 
other people tell <laughs> you how to be a board gamer. Do your own thing. Yeah, for me, this happens a lot. When I rank my top games or something, my top 100 games, I'm like, oh, I've only played this one twice. Or like, what? It felt like more. Or, or you have like such strong feelings about yeah. it, right? Like you've played it once, but you loved it. And so you <laughs> think about it and you're like, oh yeah, I love that game. And then you're like, wait, I've only played this game once? <laughs> like, I that feels, again, I do the same thing. I'm like, does is that disingenuous to say, mm-hmm. I love this game that you've only played one time? And for the record, <laughs> no, it is not. Love whatever you want. Don't let other people tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. But also like, like, I can understand why, especially for us as content creators, we have those moments of like, ooh, like, but how much do I love it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were also a few games that I'd played like three times that I thought I had only played once because they weren't as memorable, I guess. but yes since i've been logging plays it doesn't happen as much because i know i can like check if i am surprised it's not for very long because i check i'm like okay this but i think before i was logging plays so like back in the when i was a kid or something i probably thought i would have played something a lot more than i actually did sometimes it feels like a lot more and then you actually look at the number of plays you have and it's not as many (laughs) so now that i i mean i have my plays logged for like the last 10 or 11 years so (laughs) yeah I can look at that now. This is why I desperately hope that if some kind of afterlife exists, that it has a stats screen like a video <laughs> game, because I want to be able to look up those types of things. Yeah. Like, how many times did I play Monopoly when I was right? A like, kid? how many times did I really play Omega Virus as a child? Because yeah. now I love it so much that I imagine I played it all the time yeah. as a kid, and I know I played it multiple times as a kid, but like, did I only play it like four times? Who knows? Like. <laughs> At this point in my life, it's impossible for me to really, like, definitively remember. Mm. I also don't have a great memory to begin with, so (laughs) that doesn't help. Okay, Nayabari, Nick, asks, You've been given the ability to have a week-long event for up to 16 people anywhere in the world, all expenses covered, including travel. What's the event? Who gets invited? And where is it held? 16 people is a lot. 16 is an interesting number because like mm-hmm. if it's only like a handful, then you mm-hmm. probably either pick your family or your best friends, right? But mm-hmm. 16 is large enough that you can kind of branch out a little bit. But then it's like, wait, do all these people need to get along with each other? Should they know <laughs> yeah. each other? I'm going to pretend that environmental impact is not a factor here because it very much is and would be. But I would say I would want a private cruise Mm. with my closest friends, like maybe two or three close friends from high school, college, my current life, and then like a couple of my close like family members. Like kind of all of the best people from throughout my life. And thankfully for me, some of those people have already met. Like my high school best friends met my college best friends. And so they kind of at least are familiar with one another. But honestly, all the people that I love are also a little bit weird and quirky like me. So they'll get along great. And we'll have a whole cruise ship so we can do whatever the heck we want. So yeah, that's again, environmental impact not being a factor. That's what I would do. Cruise around the world. Around the world. world. (laughs) Well, but it's only a week long, so... Oh, yeah, it's a week. So as far as we can go in a week reasonably, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't do a cruise for that. I was thinking Japan. And then depends also if I have, are my kids coming? Or do I have somewhere for them to stay for a week or something? (laughs) Um, If my kids are coming, it would probably be like mostly family that I'm I'm bringing with me. And then we're just going to eat in Japan or something. Or maybe go to Tokyo Disney and stuff. But if I can not bring my kids, I want to do like an escape room week. (laughs) 
where we can go if we could travel to multiple places that would be cool like just go to different countries where they have the best escape rooms and escape escape room hopping with like probably not 16 people maybe like eight because most escape rooms are not that high numbers but like or you do two escape rooms every time yeah i guess you can mix up the teams sometimes yeah so maybe yeah but like i have a spreadsheet of people that i've done escape rooms with so it'd be like people from that (laughs) yay that's me (laughs) yeah there's cool escape rooms in lots of different countries Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're, we, yeah let's go to Australia and like do some escape rooms. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally down. Another question from our Discord from Abron is How often does one of you come up with a topic for the show only to have the other point out you've done it already? <laughs> uh, a lot is the answer to that question. It's funny because we do actually genuinely want to revisit some topics, especially now. Like, we've been doing this for eight years. Yeah. Like, if we talked about party games in 2017, that doesn't mean we can never discuss party games again, right? Like, obviously, new party games came out. We played them we liked them but yeah there are times when we're just trying to think of a theme and well I do this a lot I will come up with something that I think is brilliant like I'm like this is the best idea ever I will send it to Abby and she's like yeah we've done that (laughs) (laughs) well sometimes I'm like that sounds kind of familiar and then I look it up in our our podcast because I don't remember and then it's like three episodes ago (laughs) it it usually is more recent than (laughs) you would think like it's so funny this yeah no Avron the answer to this question is all the time a lot please give us topic ideas everybody because uh, we tend to just it's it's hard to think of a topic once we have a topic we can roll but yeah sometimes coming up with the topics is the hardest part yep all right we are definitely over time which is why we didn't do the recently played section because we knew this was gonna happen (laughs) but i wanted to end on i saved this question for last and i think it's probably one of the coolest ones we got asked so andrea says how have you seen the presence of women in board game media change since you first started the podcast what have you noticed about overall non-straight cis white male representation in those years and that's a dang good question andrea (laughs) well we we started the podcast a long time ago so yeah there's been a lot more representation (laughs) in media since then Back when we started, you could like count on one hand the non-straight cis white male people that did board game media, probably. (laughs) Yeah, at least like the ones that were well known, right? And because of platforms like Instagram and TikTok, which have just become more and more popular in Mm -hmm. the past eight years, it's given additional places for people to get popular. And I think the board game community as a whole... I wouldn't say we've had a reckoning, but as a whole, we've definitely, there are people who have realized that there was a problem, right? That the community was not being represented fully by the media that was being created about the community. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, there have been a lot of really great people who have either stepped up to make content or who were already making content who have specifically worked to make their content more diverse mm-hmm. and their content is better for it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I Rodney Smith with Watch It Played is mm-hmm. a great example of this. His content has always been amazing, truly. Yeah. Rodney is a wonderful person and his content has always been great, but he's added to his team over the years and the diversity of content has improved 
with the diversity of his staff. Mm -hmm. And it's just been really neat to see. Rodney's also become very vocal in board game social media about the need for this kind of stuff. And oh my gosh, I love to see it. It's just (laughs) like, like, Rodney, can you please teach the others? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it doesn't, like when we started the podcast, there were no all-female board game podcasts that existed. And there have been a number that have popped up over the years. Mm -hmm. But like, it felt when we created the podcast that it was a needed thing. Like, because it didn't exist, like it needed to exist. And now I don't feel like that is the reason we're needed anymore. I think it's still Mm -hmm. a valuable thing that we are a women-hosted podcast about board games, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like that is the essential part of (laughs) us anymore, you know? We're not stopping. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, we're definitely not stopping. Uh, And also... I don't care if we're essential or not. We're still (laughs) going to keep making content. But yeah, I think things have improved. Things are still not balanced. Like the the Mm -hmm. representation in board game media is still a majority of white cis males. But it is getting better every day. And I think that's awesome. And I hope that it can, that trend continues. And if you, somehow, if somebody's listening to our podcast, they're probably not, who thinks that that is a bad thing. Just like, <laughs> remember, like the thing that everybody always kind of forgets, I think in the heat of the moment is we are not taking spaces away from anyone else. We're just yeah. adding addi- additional chairs at the table. That's all mm-hmm. we're doing, y'all. Just if anybody ever decides to whine at you about that kind of stuff, be like, we didn't take anything away. It's You're still all there. Like, why are you upset right now? There's room for all of us. <laughs> Literally, like the table will get bigger. It'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it'll just mm-hmm. be more fun to party around that table with everybody. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Don't forget to order your copy of Last Light, a 4X game that plays in under an hour, from your friendly local game store. Or you could buy at grayfoxgames.com using our discount code to get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else. We forgot to confirm if there is a new code before recording time, so try BGBLITZ2023 or BGBLITZ2024 and see which works. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us for as little as $2 a month and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Until next time, get blitzy, it's our birthday, we're gonna party like it's our birthday, we go play Hanabi like it's our birthday. Day. And you know we gonna have some fun because it's our birthday. Bye, everyone. Bye. We asked you, our viewers. Oops, <laughs> they're not watching. They're listening. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, another question from our discard. Discard. Dis- discard. <laughs> we discarded this question. <laughs> <laughs> Too much board game thinking. <laughs> All right. Another di- another Discord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>